letting me go on to my alternative uh, stations, but those are less important. The important one is YouTube and that I record everything. So let me just do that. You know, the, one of the reasons why I now have about 10 different live stream venues and about 20 different audio and video archive venues, all listed, by the way, on my new website, charlesmoskowitz.com, is that way, and when they shut me down on one, I'm still up on the other. You're still be up on another, yeah. And I'm building yep. them all, and it's kind of like a game of chicken, you know, like which uh, which one's going to be up and which one ain't. Yeah. Um, so here we are, Hal. We're talking about your lawsuit um, that may reach the Supreme Court uh, regarding religious freedom and, and political freedom in terms of running a flag up at Boston City Hall. Um, this. Uh, I don't actually right now have a lot of faith in the Supreme Court, given the fact that they ignored black and white constitutional language, Article 2, Section 2, with regard to the sole prerogative of state legislators to regulate election law. Yes. They decided to ignore that. Apparently, that uh, this wasn't even something that, you know, would be seen as ambiguous. I mean, this is pure constitutional language. And they ignored that, you know, including the new Justice Barrett, who's been a real disappointment in an empty suit. So, yeah. Yeah, we, we're not sure how we'll, how we'll end up, but I think we made so we did make, I think in many respects we've won because we've demonstrated very clearly that the city of Boston is hostile to people of faith that are, and they are in, in uh, sympathetic to far leftists like communist China. What, they, the, what they're saying is that putting a flag on this city owned, but I call public access flagpole is official government speech. And they don't approve of the flag, but they approve of the flags of communist China, communist Cuba, rainbow flags, transgender flags, and other nations. In fact, it's actually illegal to fly a foreign flag on city, state, municipal property in Massachusetts. It's like a $10 fine, unless there's a foreign dignitary that's there in official capacity. That's the only exception. Mm -hmm. Now, the city of Boston flew the Vatican flag when Pope John Paul II visited, and that was before we officially recognized them as uh, a country. You know, we diplomatic right. relations. Last flag. I checked, the Vatican flag does have a cross on it, too. Yes, and by the way, I have no trouble with the Vatican flag or the, the Star of David being flown. If a legitimate organization wants to have a ceremony in New City Hall Plaza and no, nobody else is using it, and some people on the conservative side got upset. Well, what if, what if the, the Muslims use it? What if this group? I says, well, they already do. They fly the Turkish flag with the, with the crescent on there. That's right. I said, then why don't your organization use it? That's all. I mean, uh, you have every, you should have every right. But the city actually changed its rules now. So they gave themselves more discretion, but they didn't change until after the case. Typical. Yeah, yeah. So now, Hal, we see this viral video that I really urge people to see. A Catholic priest, I believe from Canada. I no, think he's not a priest. He's a pastor. Uh, yeah. yeah, pastor. Yeah. Okay. His, so name, is, his name is Arthur Podlowski, uh, Calgary. Right. A uh, good Polish pastor from Calgary, Alberta, which it doesn't matter. It could be the United States. We're talking about uh, North America here. He, uh, he has an incursion by these black clad, you know, police in the middle of his Easter Sunday services. 
coming in and interrupting the service and trying to disband the service under the guise of, you know, something to do maybe with masks or something else. And he starts to scream, get out, get out. It's the most incredible <laughs> thing. Out, you Gestapo. He says, you're a bunch of Nazi psychopaths. Nazis aren't welcome there, he said. Oh, get out, no Nazis. Nazis. Get out. You know, don't forget Nazi Poland. <laughs> Poland had to undergo the occupation by the Nazis and then by the communists right up until 1989. And so he probably knows what he's talking about. It sounds like he had an accent. It sounds like somebody who's been there. And uh, well, he, it was he's, one of he's the, only in his, yeah. He's in his late forties. Uh, he grew up in the communist regime, and he did call them communists too. But I think it's a good tr strategy to use the word Nazi because the, when you call a leftist a communist, they say thank you because they like <laughs> communism. But if you call him a Nazi, they get upset. So you have oh, to you sometimes go. use. Which, you know, to, uh, to, you know, to, uh, to make a point. But his parents grew up during the, uh, the Nazi occupation and then the communist occupation. And he said that he was a witness to the uh, solidarity movement and how the communists would arbitrarily beat people pretty senseless. So we had enough. And there's been a number of churches around the country and uh, maybe even around the world that have said no, not many. They're in the minority, I mean, small minority. In Massachusetts, there was one in Worcester, little Baptist church. I met the pastor. I think it's Tim Adams. And uh, he actually had, was using all the protocols. They had the masks. They had all types. They, they bought, bought some expensive um, uh, air filters. And they still wanted, they still arrested the guy. You know, so uh, you just have to stand up uh, to these bullies. A church, a place of worship is essential in any, any time, especially during a pandemic. Instead, they were shut down. This was the CDC and the, the WHO, who, World Health Organization, we know is an arm of the UN, automatically discredited, but it's been influenced very strongly by the communist Chinese. The man who runs it, I forget his name, he's the Ethiopian Marxist. So right. Marxists are telling people, capitalist countries, free market countries to shut down your economy to prevent a virus which the Chinese communists deliberately spread. That I think is pretty, pretty clear. And it's ironic too. You can say the South African strain, the Indian strain, this strain, but you can't say the Chinese because that's supposed to be racism. And I guess that's another topic. Let's, let's, Hal, let's be careful because again, this is YouTube. And oh, that's right. that's there right. are certain things we cannot talk about because I'll be purged. And uh, oh, yeah. one of them, and I'll just say it in a very broad sense, is this most recent presidential election. We cannot say anything about it other than that it was, you know, pure and wonderful. And uh, you know, you can talk about any other election. We can talk about the 1960 election. But you can't right. talk about the 2000. You can't talk about the 2020 election. It's an Orwellian um, world, isn't it? It is. Although I, you know, I mean, ultimately they're not going to win. But you know, for now we're living in a fascistic system where we really do. We really have limitations on a lot of levels of freedom, not just freedom of speech, but also freedom to worship. And I would hope that this pastor will serve as an inspiration to all pastors and to all people. I mean, I, I don't think that my own rabbi will be much inspired because we're talking about the most masked people in America there. Mm. So we'll talk about people completely subservient. They're, they're servile. And, but I would wonder if, if this happened in my synagogue on the Sabbath and I was there, I would stand up and say, 
get out. I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you'll have to take me away. I wonder how many people would stand with me. I have a feeling probably very few. Very few. Yeah. Well, when they, when Mass, you know, I used to live in Massachusetts, born and raised and lived in Boston all my life, except my time in the military. But I'm now in the uh, free state of New Hampshire. Now, New Hampshire is not a paradise, but it's a, a whole lot better than Massachusetts, especially with this man, this, this mandated nonsense. Um, I, I'm in Lexington, on a, Massachusetts, on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. that's an upper middle class, wealthy, predominantly white area. And they wear the masks everywhere. Little children are wearing them. People are walking all by themselves, you know, wearing the mask. They're driving in their in the cars. Of, they're walking in the middle. Yeah, in the in the middle of nowhere. They're walking in a field with a friggin' mask. And I see that. And you know, I those people scare me, not physically, it's the ignorance. I said so many of these people, that's what, what troubles me. The ignorance of when I see a person driving in a vehicle with a mask on. And unless they've got some kind of you know existing condition, which most of them don't, I don't want to even talk to those people. By the way, there's a great YouTube channel called uh, Media Bear, and they do all these spoofs on this mask <laughs> mandate stuff. And they have one: uh, I wear my mask when I drive. It's uh, I wear my sunglasses at night. The song that came out in the '80s. Uh, so I oh, check funny. it out. It's funny. You need to have a good laugh because of these these oh, crazy times. Man, I mean, I, and it's getting yeah. testier out there too. I mean, I've noticed that. I mean, I had a situation actually myself where you know I, I was actually having lunch, and you're allowed to take the mask off with lunch if you're in a place, and it wasn't that many people there. And so as I was getting up to leave, I forgot to put it on. And we're not talking about, we're talking about a very quick walk from the table to the door. Mm -hmm. And this guy standing in behind the counter started yelling at me. And, you know, I always could tell that these people were kind of, you know, they're, they're Trump haters, okay? Let's just put it that way. This kind of mean, surly, dour, negative, lifeless, attitude and i just said fine i'm never coming back here again good for you no it's like great you just lost a customer and i'll tell other people too i put a put a put a pox on your house (laughs) you know look i mean it would have been fine if he might have been polite about it and said listen you forgot your mask okay but no he was like just you know put a mask on you know we're talking to me like i'm you know and the fascinating thing is most people may remember Fauci. I should, should I say Lord Fauci has been, has he been um, knighted by uh, the, the, the queen? I don't know. But, he had a fire. but Lord, Lord Fauci back in March of last year said that there's no need to wear the masks. He said, you might stop a droplet or two. And then a few months later, May in the height of the, the virus, the height of the pandemic, uh, all of a sudden, states had adopted all these mask mandates. All these governors, not no, no law was passed. And I never forget going into a bank and seeing the sign that you must have a mask. And I said, if I wore a mask prior to this uh, thing, I'd be arrested. Yes, you, exactly. And, you know, I was in the oh. army and everybody in the army, I guess they still do it. We go to it into a gas chamber where we have our gas mask. And you have to have a seal or that mask is useless. And then we're supposed to take them off and then, you know, recite our name and rank and serial number. And then we run out and I couldn't get past my first name and I ran out of there. But you respect the seal of a mask. Now, I actually bought one at a yard sale, one of these, I forget what they call it, but it was the same type of mask that I wore. And this mask is good for nuclear, uh, biological and chemical warfare. 
Uh, if there was a nuclear explosion, if I was with so many from point zero, it would be good for about 15 minutes. That mask does not stop the coronavirus because of its size. But that mask, that gas mask, is about 100,000 times or maybe in a million times more effective than that little piece of cloth that people are wearing on their face. There's no seal on these things. Uh, and so uh, you, you're going to get the. It's, uh, I heard someone say it's like putting a chain link fence up to stop getting keeping flies out. It's useless. But people are so convinced they probably have no experience with these things. And all of and, and even the one, even if they did work, you see people fidgeting and you're not supposed to wear a mask all day, every day. It's, you see, it's actually unhealthy. But having said that, Hal, I just want to throw in for the sake of the censors that I'm not I'm neither condoning nor condemning the wearing of masks. That is up to individuals. I have no comment. Now. One month ago or three weeks ago, the governor of Texas, Abbott, declared that the mandates were over. There will be no more man mask right. mandates. There'll be no more lockdown. He didn't say not to wear it. He said that that's, that's up right. to individual discretion. It's up to a business to decide what their policies would be. And Fauci, speaking of St. Fauci, came out and said, oh, I mean, there's just tapes of this. It, there's going to be a surge, there's going to be hospitalization, there's going to mm -hmm. be another huge disaster. And of course, Biden or whoever his people put stuff in his heads are, they, they came out with a statement saying that um, that this was a Neanderthal, I think he referred mm -hmm. to the state of Texas. Well, three weeks later, and Texas has, the, the rates are dropping in Texas. They're going up in New York, right. New Jersey, and California, and some of the other leftist states, Michigan. But in well, Texas, by the way, I want to, by the way, Chuck, I'm in solidarity with the Neanderthal community. Me too. I'm right there with them. I don't like this this hatred of Neanderthals. It's terrible. Really, and plus, plus, we're proud deplorables too. That's right. Uh, but anyway, the the thing is that you know, it's he, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. I mean, the, uh, the, the and this is with the illegals coming over the border, and still the numbers in Texas are dropping. So. You know, I mean, w what do we make of that? I mean, this is this is a situation where it makes me wonder whether or not they're ever going to stop these mandates and they're ever going to stop these lockdowns. I think it's, I mean, this is an opinion, but I think that this is such an incredible and toxic and, and um, you know, addictive power for government that they're not going to relinquish it so quickly. It's going to come back and forth and back and forth, but they ain't never going to let go. Well, Chuck, you and I have studied how the elites work, and you've done a lot of work exposing it ever since I first met you way back in the early 90s. Uh, I never thought they would use this, this, uh, the, uh, you know, the crises of a, of a um, disease um, to, to consolidate power. And, you know, I've done a lot of work with Agenda 20, exposing Agenda 21, that UN program. Yeah. Uh, and people say, what's that? It's just a Green New Deal. And I have to thank AOC for at least, you know, making so. But now when people say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, no, it's that Green New Deal is something that AOC, she didn't write it up. It was done for her. But that's what the Green New Deal is. But shutting down baseball parks and movie theaters and Broadway shows and restricting this and restricting that, that reduces the carbon footprint, right? Uh, so this is a big boon for uh, those people. They love it. And you're right. Once government takes power, they don't give it back without the people getting it back. So it's something that, uh, and of course, I think I think we know if it wasn't for this COVID, uh, Trump would be 
in the White House still. He would have won. Okay, well, let's not go there because we'll be banned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we all, everyone watching this program knows what we're talking about here. Okay. Let's. We we, we have to kind of work with the censors and with the. Um, and I'm serious about that. You know, I'm having on later today. I'm having Doug Tenable on. I don't know if you know who he is, but no. he did a very good and responsible job of discussing this past election in in terms that are very reasonable and well backed and statistical. And he's been purged from YouTube. Wow. And this is not, he's not particularly a man of the right or the left. I mean, he was just doing a straight arrow, straight arrow analysis. Anyway, now I want to ask you about something here because George Gilder is one of America's most respected philosophers and intellectuals. He spent three years in China, I believe, under the, the Bush administration as part of the embassy there. And recently he's written a book and he's been warning about, and he did so long before we all know this, how China is using big tech technology to monitor their own citizens to a degree that's been unprecedented. And that he was convinced that they're going to imply, he's gonna get Google and all these other guys to basically implement that same system into the United States. And in China, you have what's called social scores that's right. And, you know, because everybody carries a smartphone and most people do, and it keeps track of you. It, it, it knows where you are, what you're thinking about, what you're doing, what you're saying. It's a spying on you. And if your social score, if you're seen as somehow not politically correct and you have a low social score, you don't have certain rights. I mean, you can't, you can't go certain places. You can't, maybe they could control whether or not you could buy food. I don't know, or whatever it is. And, you know, if you have a higher social score, then you're in the probably a party member and you're fine. Well, apparently, I mean, and this is according to, and this is something that Jeff Cooner is talking about mm -hmm. at WRKO, and he's a great source. In Boston, yes. In Boston. This is not some nutty thing. I mean, this is a major radio station in Boston, big station. That the, that the, the, the reason why we're seeing companies like Coca-Cola and Delta and, um, Home Depot and others suddenly decide to do things that have no rationality, like boycott Atlanta and shut down the All-Star game because of some leftist agenda, is because these social scores are being implemented here. They call it ESG. E stands for environment, S stands for social justice or socialism, and G stands for governance. And they're rating businesses, both big and small, on their ESG levels. And if they fall below a certain threshold on any one of those three levels, then they don't have the kind of social scores that you need. So therefore, they're doing stuff that goose steps to the leftist agenda because that's the S, right? The social, right. so-called social justice. So this is why you're seeing companies do these irrational things. I mean, this, you know, boycotting Atlanta, which is, by the way, a predominantly black city. So that that's correct. Predominantly yeah. By the way, Fulton County, which is where Atlanta is, uh, voted for Biden 70%. So that's a pretty wide margin. Uh, and how are they rewarded? They're moving it to Denver, which is 10% black, named after Adolf Kors, which was, uh, you know, uh, back in the, I remember the 80s and 90s, they were- The enemy of the left, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he was a right-wing John Birch meanie, you know. Okay. They went after him pretty nasty. The, the Coors uh, Company, conservatively owned conservative family. It's right. just, you just shake your head and say, and it was bad enough back last summer with the Black Lives Matter. They All these baseball parks are all kneeling down with the clenched fist. We know what the clenched fist. We know the history of the clenched fist. It's That's got nothing to do with black struggle, a communist clenched fist. And they were, they were putting it on the fields. And maybe one or two players here and there said, no, most of them were people of faith that said, no, I only kneel to the, when I pray, I don't kneel down to, uh, to man. And those people were pretty treated pretty badly. In most cases, people lost their jobs over it. And then you just say, well, why would, yes, of course we black lives. Matter. In fact, there's, you should get, the, there's a guy by the name of Kevin McGarry. His group is every black life matters. And it's a pro family, pro Christian uh, alternative to black lives matter. And, because the Black Lives Matter group, as you know, they don't care about blacks that are being killed by other blacks. They don't care about black policemen getting killed. Uh, they don't care about black babies being aborted in New York. So for example, as you know, there are more uh, 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 black babies aborted in New York City than are born. They only seem to care about blacks, who, uh, most of them criminals, who are getting in trouble with the police. Those are the only ones they really speak out for. Well, well, yeah. And also this agenda, by the way, in, in Georgia, which is predictable, is basically that finally too late for the last Right, month. too late. But finally, the state legislators are beginning to reassert their, their governmental responsibility, their constitutional responsibility as representatives of the people of those states to regulate election and to ensure that we preserve the concept of one man, one vote. That therefore, there's no voter suppression because voter suppression happens when a real vote, a legitimate vote, whether that vote is cast by a black or a white person is suppressed when a fake vote is cast. That's right. That's what it is. And so they're trying to prevent voter suppression by ensuring that what happened last the last couple of months, like uh, fake, fake ballots flooding into the state from, from out of state and dead people voting and electronic fraud. And I'm sorry to use that word, but you know, all these other things that happened, particularly in Georgia, was one of the worst, that it doesn't happen again. And therefore, we're being told that by doing this, somehow they've got something against Black people, when in fact, this whole premise is a form of racism that goes back to like a kind of a an imperial British, you know, white man's burden thing. <laughs> it's like, you know, Rudyard Kipling, you know, all right. right, greater man than I, Gunga Din. I mean, you know, this idea that the black person is not able or capable of registering to vote just like anyone else and that they should be treated like children, that they need, there's nothing to do with that. First of all, the insulting and offensive element of that, that portrayal of black people as if they're not just as capable as white people to well, register to vote. I want to quote Malcolm X, not that I'm a, I was a fan of his, but in his autobiography, he said that white liberals spell Negro, and the term Negro was accepted back. It was, it was a generic, it wasn't insulting. Uh, he said white liberals spell Negro, K-N-E-E-G-R-O-W, meaning basically this condescending type of racism. Oh, we know what's best for you. Please support us. You know, if you don't vote for me, you're not black, that type of thing. Right. We know what's 
we, we feel and when they really don't, they have the the left, the white left has done very little to help the black community. Whatsoever. The black community and the black community looks at them with scorn. There's an expression in the black community for them. They call them the white saviors. White saviors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and of course, you and I could talk about the terrible destruction the left has done to the American black community starting in the 1960s with welfare, with the destruction of the black church, with the family, the family, crime, you know, poverty, anti-business, all of it. I mean, it's a, so we can talk about who's really the racist here. Well, Chuck, you know, our late friend, Sam Blumenfeld, he did a, uh, and we've archived a lot of his writings on our website, the Samuel Blumenfeld, campconstitution.net. Uh, he did a he dedicated one of his newsletters and I and I it's still today it's it was written I think in June of 1987 or June of 1986 you can find it on on our website it said that eugenics and the creation of a permanent black underclass and he just mentioned that the black community made so many advancements from 1865 when a good portion of them were enslaved up until 1965 1980 86 they had you know, they had schools, they had churches, they had a number of professional people, and then they introduced this look-say method, this eugenics movement with the Planned Parenthood, and when you see these angry people burning things down, in fact, we uh, we are on our Potomatic page, where, where, where you are, yeah. we posted a, like a five-minute speech, he was being interviewed about the LA riots, and he said, I'm blaming it in part on the illiteracy in the Black community. He says people who have no hope, they have no uh, ability to go anywhere economically, so they're angry, and this is how they release their anger. And uh, so I, rep- I reposted because I think you can say the same thing today. That was, that was true in uh, 1992. It's true today in uh, 2021. Oh, yeah. Well, Sam was a, was a prophet. I mean, I hope people go to Sam's page. A lot of his programming that I did with him is archived on my Podomatic site as well. Uh, Sam and I did probably hundreds of hours together mm-hmm. doing broadcasting. Some of the greatest moments for me was having him on and, and his insights were incredible. And, you know, I, I wish he was here today to see, frankly, the, the great opportunities for homeschooling, <laughs> right, with the, with the, with the pandemic. Well, there's always a positive. There's always a, what they call a silver, a, a silver lining in the in the in the cloud. Yeah. Because when they locked all the public schools down, they had a, you call it remote learning. Well, it was right. homeschooling, although not again yeah, traditional homeschooling. Right. And the homeschool movement has blossomed. Oh, because, yeah. Not just because of the virus, but also the content of what's being taught in these schools. This crazy 1619 curriculum. The 1619 curriculum is really incubating more Antifa and more anti-American terrorists. That's what that's about. Oh, it's 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 a movement. It's a it's an agenda of hate and division and the whole um, you know critical race theory and all of that garbage. It is it is tyrannical. It is it is to be rejected. I mean, it's a vicious and hateful view of American history, American culture comes from the influence of, I think, Howard Zinn and Howard Zinn. people's history of the United States. I remember I interviewed Howard Zinn. I wish I have a tape of that, the late Howard Zinn. He was a just this arrogant, hostile. He had all the affectations of a leftist, too, with the, with the facial tics and the groans and, <laughs> and <laughs> did all of it. I mean, he, he personified that. He's poisoned the minds and the souls of more young people in this country than I think anyone in the past 
half a century. Chuck, there's a great book. It's called Debunking Howard Zinn by Mary Grabar. Uh, she's going to be coming to our camp, uh, our, our family camp this summer in uh, New Hampshire from July 18th to the 23rd. And she, she's, she, she's, she's in upstate New York. She's somebody that you should probably have on the show. I oh, interviewed her. Me. She did a great job. And not only that, how I got a hold of her was that she was writing a biography of the late, great George Schuyler. And I think you know who George Schuyler was, mm -hmm. the, the black uh, journalist that used to write for the American Opinion magazine. Yeah. And so that's how I found about her. And then um, there's a group in, uh, called the um, Italian American, um, what the heck, Italian American something or Institute. Uh, and they were, they came, became prominent when they ripped down the, the statue of Columbus in Boston's North End uh, right. last summer. And I, I got a, I became friendly with, uh, with the founder, Frank. And uh, she, he, he mentioned that book, uh, Howard, Howard Sin's influence has got a generation of people to hate America and this absolute lies about Christopher Columbus, just the opposite. Oh, God. You know something, let me just, I want to comment on that briefly. There is a single one-page document that attacked Columbus, and it was written by his enemy and his That's rival. Right. And I believe that it was sent to Queen Isabella of Spain. And it was that one document where these crazy charges were made that Columbus was a genocidal maniac. And that's all. And anyone who has any basic understanding of how history is to be examined knows that you have to look at that source and look at the motivation of that source and look at it in the context of all of the hundreds of other things that were written at the time, which talked about Columbus as being a great man and something. That's right. Different. So They've taken that one little document and they've used that politically to try to undermine and criticize the entire Western Christianization of the new world. I mean, and, and the, the development of, of the culture that we have. And it's not, not that, that everything was so perfect, of course, there's no such thing as utopia, but this is a, this is a smear job on, on Columbus. And Columbus's uh, great crime, Chuck, was that he brought Christianity to this new world. That was that's why he's hated. That's right. But I, you know, I, I would have struck. lived under a system where they have animal, where they have human sacrifices, and uh, which they oh did. And uh, the Aztecs were among the most brutal society the world had ever seen. I mean, they were so horrible that when Cortez arrived, I mean, he didn't barely have to lift a finger. I mean, everybody rallied around them and got that's right they, they got rid of that that horrendous regime and they there was a mass conversion to christianity that had been unlike anything that the world's ever seen you know mexico became the most christian i think it's still the most catholic nation in the world but uh, bringing things up to antifa now the destruction of the columbus statue the destruction of and, and defacement of the Shaw Memorial across from the U.S. Massachusetts yes, yes. State House, this was by the master head of the Massachusetts militia, who led a predominantly black regiment in the Civil War. I mean, that's right. Yeah, and it's a fate. They they tore down the Lincoln statue. Well, the Lincoln statue was taken down uh, by the city, and uh, it was a replica of the one that's in Washington D.C. And it depicts Abraham Lincoln, you know, and then as a slave, 
And the man who it was a model, and the, the man obviously kind of was agreement, but he wasn't looking at Lincoln as the oh oh the white man freed me. He was getting off his knees. Now you can interpret a statue any way you like, but it's the what the author or the sculpture had in mind. That's the original term. You can say, for example, uh, you can look at the the Shaw Memorial and see a white man on a horse leading black soldiers. Well, it was a, it was an all black unit except for the officers who were white. Uh, Shaw actually was a friend of my ancestor who, all, who also died in the Civil War. He was a Harvard man. Uh, but that was that was history. Are you trying to say that those black men died in vain? That's what they're trying to say, that somehow you shouldn't even know about that. Well, it's a communist agenda to erase history altogether. And, exactly. uh, you know, yeah. this was a, a an insurrection over the summer where you had gangs of people looting black businesses, burning black neighborhoods, killing black people, including children in major cities. And it was supported by, fostered by, and nurtured by the predominantly white left-wing media. Who, and people like Kamala Harris, yeah. who, uh, who was the uh, one of the, the man that was, uh, he was involved in the shooting incident. He survived, but he's handy. But this guy was a real low life. I mean, the guy had a miserable record. He was abusing children. He was just out of jail. And here's Kamala Harris saying he, she's proud of him. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that woman. <laughs> plus, plus our, my own Congresswoman, Ayanna Presley, like, well, we need a few riots. That's what we're going to be getting. I mean, that's right. Yeah. We need to do that. This is important. Great. I met, I, you know, when she ran for city council and she was in front of the local grocery store in my West Roxbury section, very attractive looking lady, very personable. And she, you know, she was a nonpartisan election. And I think I signed it. Yes. Sean. So I asked a little bit about her. She was, she worked for one. She worked for Joe Kennedy when he was a U.S. congressman. Right. She's from Chicago. And, you know, she, and she, when uh, back in, I think it was 08, she was 08 or 09, she presided over the Chinese communist flag raising ceremony in Boston. And she, at that time she was a city councilor right. and she runs for Congress. And, but you know how bad things are in Massachusetts? I hate to say this. I get the new American magazine and it has what they call the freedom index. It, yeah. ba it bases members of Congress on their voting record. You know, she's the least leftist of the, the delegation, the congressional delegation. She's like a 40 where most of them are, Stephen Lynch is like a 10, you know, 10 being to the left of Lenin. And she's about a 40. And I thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. And, and there's, there's a couple of new ones that just came in, which make her look like, uh, you know, the George Washington. Jesse, Jesse Helms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So but anyway, but, but bringing things up. Yeah. There was a lot of good uh, new candidates. That lady from Georgia, um, who, she's fear. I mean, she oh is, yeah, you mean you're talking about uh, Taylor Green? Oh, no, she the, and she went. Uh, she didn't. She's not laying low for the first time. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Uh, no, she was there, gangbusters, and that's why they hate her. Oh my God, yeah, ex absolutely. I mean, that there's somebody that needs to be denounced, right, and purged. And per but, yeah. but, but bringing things up to to, to today because I want to move move into like back to the story of what's going on in Georgia. This is a struggle to reassert the right of one man one vote. That's why they're cooking up this crap about you know having something against black people. The same they're using again black people as a as cannon fodder for their insistence on on preserving and indeed codifying. Um, 
uh, voter irregularities. I don't want to use mm -hmm. the F word because I'll be banned. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, again, we're talking about measures that are put in place to protect the vote. Like, for example, no more, you know, voter harvesting where you have activists going out and gathering up votes and shifting right. through them and deciding which ones to present. You no longer, you know, there, there was, I mean, there was a case in Georgia where two counties wanted to remove the names of people who had either died or had moved out of state from their voter rolls, something that every precinct should do. Exactly. And they were stopped by a federal judge who happens to be the sister of Stacey Abrams. That's who, right. Who has about 28 cases of, against her organization for out-of-state voters who were not, let's just say they were of, of questionable nature in terms of who they were. And, you know, we have situations where state secretaries of states and governors have marched in and changed voter rules, which is unconstitutional because only the state legislator has that power. That's and right. In, in, uh, in Michigan, the Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, went in and changed the method of checking signatures for absentee ballots. Now, before that, when you cast an absentee ballot, and by the way, Massachusetts is actually more conservative. You have to have your signature checked double checked with the signature on file at the clerk's office to make sure that it really is you. Well, she got rid of that. She said, oh no, you don't have to, any, you don't have to yeah. check that any longer. Instead, if it has a faint sim, you know, similarity, then we'll accept it. Mm -hmm. and, and this was done without the approval of the state legislature. The state legislature sued, of course it's too late now, but they finally got a state judge a patriotic state judge who stood up and read the constitution and said, no, you can't do this. Now, I don't think there's been any consequences, but she's now been called to testify at the state house and she's refusing to go. Mm. He says, well, that would be feeding into this conspiracy theory that there was something less it's than 100% perfect with that last election. It's amazing, yeah. Now, the point is I'm making here is that it's not just Georgia but there are movements in all in many other states. Arizona too. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Maricopa County. Those, there's some real tough patriots there, having a recount of 1.2 million ballots. In fact, I got Josh Bernstein coming on with me on Friday. And it's a Our largely county. Hispanic uh, county too. And it constitutes about 60% of the vote in that state. And there's some major questions about that. I mean, I don't have a lot of hope that that's going to be happening in an honest way because the powers that be out there are doing everything they can to stop it. And again, we're talking about very powerful, entrenched, corrupt um, people who are doing the bidding of some bigger corrupt people mm -hmm. who, who have a lot of interest in making sure that nothing happens. Um, but nevertheless, there is a movement and it's very predictable that state houses are taking back their prerogative. I mean, I'm writing about an average of one short book a month that deals with different issues. And my most recent one is how to win an election mm -hmm. in which I'm encouraging people like you and I, you know, housewives, teenagers, retired people, empty nesters, anyone who has a little extra time in their hands to run for state rep or state senator or even local city council or school. Or town, council, town. I mean you know, town board member, 
and and that you can win. And I get into in this book, it's a manual, how to do this. And I'm also offering my services as a consultant. If somebody wants to, uh, I'll Zoom meet them for like a 90 minute meeting, very low cost, in which I'll go over with them a strategy for how they can win. I'll take a look at their race, their positions, how to present them. And I'll help them put together a blueprint for how to win their race. Because I do think that not only are they going to find that a lot of these races, there's someone in there who's probably been there for like a decade and no one even knows who they are. That's correct. Even if they live in the district, they've been unopposed. And you can take a look at who these people are and what their voting record is. And, you know, I mean, it's it, these are winnable races. These are small races. And I'll use the example of Tip O'Neill. The late Tip O'Neill, right? That's right. All politics is local. When he first ran, he knocked on every single door in his district. And we're talking about a man who was, was a heavy drinker and he was obese, all right? <laughs> so, you know, he didn't have the health to do this, but he did it anyway right. from about a year. But he learned a lot from that. And this is why he won. And he did it with no money. The Kennedys were against him. You know, he didn't, mm-hmm. he was a, the machine didn't like him. But he won the thing with very little money. And if he can do it, I mean, I'm just, I, I use that as an example. I mean, it can be done. So I'm hoping- Well, Chuck, let me, I, living here in Alton, New Hampshire, we just had our town election. Oh, by the way, before I mention that, I want to talk about Wyndham, New Hampshire, just for a few minutes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Let's be, careful. Hal, let's be careful with that. I brought this up on TikTok and I had my TikTok banned. Yeah. All right, then, then, then we so won't mention that. We, okay, we so- mention it, We can mention it by use of euphemisms, okay? Okay. Okay. Even though what, by the way, happened in Wyndham, New Hampshire was covered by the mainstream media in New Hampshire. Jeff Kuhner talked about it in Boston. WRKO, mm-hmm. this is not, but apparently for big tech, this is too much. It's so, too much. Well, let's, well let's, anyway, let's, let's we, we just had our town election a few weeks ago here in, in most towns there. It's in March and most, uh, and I, beca- I, I come up here and I've hit the ground running. You know, I've made a lot of good friends. I've known some people already. Uh, there's a gentleman that used to live in Boston, Jamaica Plain. I was his son's Sunday school teacher back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. He came up here uh, somewhat semi-retired, and he ran for state rep, and he won. He said he didn't have any money, didn't really. He said someone asked him if he'd run, and someone else who had been doing it, uh, who was a state rep, did not want to run re- re- run for re-election. And he won his, he won his uh, election pretty handily. Yeah. And, uh, here in, I'm in what is, is Belknap County. It's the most conservative county in the state. Uh, I think there are 20 state reps from the county, and all of them are Republicans. Now, I don't know if all of them are like 100 percenters, but um, you drive around here, you see, you still see a lot of Trump signs, you know, where in Boston, nah, not so many. <laughs> in you know. fact, you see too many Biden signs either. You saw more Black no. Lives Matter signs than you did Biden signs, but... Uh, but uh, uh, there was a um, a town election, and one of the men who was a uh, he had been the selectman, he lost by 16 votes, or he lost by 20. They did a recount, and he lost by 16. And he said, "Yeah, it's just about voter turnout. If more of the people that liked him came out, and you know, I supported him financially." And he said, "Well, I'm going to run again next year. But if so and so isn't running, then I'm not going to because they don't want to compete against good people." But I'm thinking about running maybe uh, uh, at some point for uh, for selectman. And who knows, maybe state rep, although I think I can do more. You know, they all say I can do more on the outside. Sure. I think as director of Camp Constitution, uh, I, I like to think I'm influencing people and networking with people, which uh, and hopefully creating 
potential candidates as opposed to there's one thing I would hate to do, Chuck, is sit there through a hearing. You know, you know how you're going to vote on the issue, but you're going to go through a, five or six hours of hearings because that's just the way it's done. You know, that would be a little tough for me. But no, but, but but I would just point out that these offices, if there's one thing we learned from this last election, is that they hold enormous intrinsic powers that they have either forgotten about or that have been usurped by unelected bureaucracies, right. both nationally and internationally over a long period of time. This didn't just happen overnight. This has been going on probably since, I would say that the watershed year was 1912, the election of Wilson. It was the first- Oh yes, that's right. Ever since then, you've had the transfer of elected powers to unelected agencies on state, federal, and even international level. And if you run for these, and, and the, the ultimate proof right now is what happened with the election. I would suggest that if we have people who are aware of the actual powers of these offices, and that includes like city, you know, school committee, all of them going in and taking office and reasserting those sovereign powers in areas of, of election, of education, of healthcare, of welfare, of any other aspect of governance, then we are going to preserve our future. We're going to continue this great experiment of self-rule because otherwise we're seeing those powers atrophy and die. And so I would suggest, and by the way, if you're like a Bernie Sanders guy or you're on the far left and that's, that's what your community is about, fine. I support you too. I would help you run because the point is a local office has to reflect the values of that local community, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. And you should assert those powers in your community, in the in the purview of the office that you hold. So I'm hoping that as a reaction to this last catastrophe, we can have people wake up and begin to reassert our own self-government. I mean, that's what Donald Trump was all about. That if you look at his inaugural address, it is one of the best ever delivered by a president. He, I mean, not that he lived up to it 100%, of course, but the idea of it, the spirit of it, represents the movement that he so ably launched. Whether you liked him or not, the point is that that is what, what we're looking at right now, reasserting that, and it's been taken away temporarily. Anyway. That's right. Well, I think it's the philosophy of America. You put the interests of America and the American people first. And that's why Trump was hated. Everybody loved him when he was the uh, the boss on that um, uh, fi uh, what was that that reality right. show, which sure. I didn't care for. I'm not a big fan of reality shows, uh, and he was a cameo appearance in a number of movies. Then he comes down the escalator and says, "You know, we got to secure our borders." Oh, you're a racist. Uh, I think maybe the, some of these these international trading deals uh, we're always getting the uh, you know the short end of the stick. I think we had a oh that's why they hate him. Of course, he that's why they hate him. That's why they hate anybody. And by the way, speaking of which, I mean, I, I understand that. I think I mentioned this to you before, but I want to mention it. Tom Hartman is a is a left wing talk show host. I listen to occasionally. Mm -hmm. Classic, you know, knee jerk, you know, goose stepping left wing. You know, the everything is you know goes through that sit. And when he was criticizing Trump, one of his criticisms was that Trump's father was a secret member of the John Birch Society. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that tells me that Trump does know the score. He knows what's really going on. And, you know, I think that 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 I hope that was true. I mean, you know, that that tells us a lot.
Anyway. Well, when I used to cover New York for the John Birch Society, I used to get to New York City, you know, about once a month, spend a week in the area, not necessarily the city, but the area. And uh, we, I would ask about him. And people, some people knew him. You know, they say, well, he's a patriot. He gives money to Hillary. He gives, but, but uh, the wealthy, some wealthy businessmen tend to give money to candidate, all the candidates. That's right. In fact, this drug, this drug company, down, this drug store chain down in Florida, oh, they gave uh, Governor Santos so many thousands of dollars, but they also gave money to Bernie Sanders. They gave oh, money. Sure. To, they're not political oh, givers. They, they do it on yeah. all sides. And, uh, you know, uh, the auto dealer in uh, Norwood, uh, Ernie Bach, he was a big Trump supporter in 16. Yeah. But I went on to what uh, he, he donated money to uh, Bernie Sanders this year. So well, they, think, they're not ideological givers. They give yeah. to whoever they think is yeah. going to win. Basically. That's right. And they take it. Well, hey, they're going to be they'll they'll give them they'll give them a pass. You know, they won't pass sure. restrictive laws against their interests. That That's just I don't like it because I mean, I don't I don't apologize for being an ideologue, you know. No, I know that. But that is how that works. It's a um, yeah. kind of corporate giving. You know, they'll they'll do what right. they want to be on the winning side. That's right. So. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but you know, I want to mention too that um, this notion of Trump being a racist. If you go on YouTube, which is where you are, and you put in "black conservatives for Trump," you're going to find dozens, if not hundreds, of very uh, conservative patriots. Uh, there's uh, there's a fellow out in California. He's known as uh, MAGA Hulk. He's about, I don't know, six foot eight and built like a brick wall. He has a gentlest soul. And I mean, the way he speaks, he's leading uh, the recall Newsom uh, uh, campaign. And he was interviewed on Newsmax recently. You know, that's the kind of people you want in Congress. You don't oh, want to go in Congress, you know. Uh, here in Boston, we've got Rayla Campbell. She lives, She ran against uh, Ayanna yeah, sure, I've interviewed her. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so you've got a lot of uh, a lot of people. Uh, so this idea of freedom, it's not something that's white. It's, it's something that is universal. Well, I actually think that not only did Trump officially do better amongst people of color in this last election, that's why even in Massachusetts, he did better in Boston by 2%. And he did very well in cities like Lawrence and Holyoke, where you have a large Hispanic population. But I think that if you took away, how should I say this? The improprieties, he did even better. Let's just mm -hmm. look at that, okay? Yeah, yeah. And that's his natural constituency, people of color, minorities, and young people. Anyway, so Hal, talk about the camp uh, constitution, what you're up to over there. Well, uh, we're actually getting a busy month. We were supposed to be in Ohio this month, but uh, this week, but uh, things things didn't work. We weren't planning the events and being planned for us, they fell through. But this month, we have a lot of events we're bringing into the greater Boston area here in New Hampshire, a guy named Coach Dave Dobbermeyer. He's got a ministry called Pass the Salt Ministries. He's, he, he's like, you know, you've met Reverend Stevie Kraft. Yep. He's like Reverend Kraft with white skin. Uh, and we're going to be doing things. We're going to be doing some events. You can go to our calendar on our website and see some of the events. Um, uh, of course, uh, we have a ladies retreat now. We got a ladies group that meets. Uh, they, they're having a weekend event uh, at our camp in, uh, not our, we lease the camp, we don't own it, at the Singing Hills Christian Camp uh, and Conference Center in Plainfield, New Hampshire, which is uh, just a little, uh, about an hour north and west of Concord. Beautiful venue. It's coming up uh, from the 16th to the 18th. And of course, our annual family camp, which is coming up July 18th to the 23rd at the Signal Hills Christian Camp. 
We have uh, among our uh, guest instructors, we have, uh, as I mentioned, Mary Grabar, the author of uh, Debunking, Howard's, Debunking Howard Zinn. We have Jonathan Alexander, who is with Liberty Council. He's a young black uh, attorney. He's in his early 30s. And um, he actually lived two doors down from me back. Uh, he grew up in uh, West Roxbury. His dad is the pastor of a very large Haitian Baptist church in Rosendale. Mm -hmm. And he'll be talking about, uh, he actually played a little bit of a role in the, uh, in the, this past election as uh, in the wake of the election, he was in Harrisburg. So he'd be talking about his experiences. Then we have Pastor Dave Whitney, Mm -hmm. Institute on the Constitution. He's an expert on the jury system. He'll be there. And uh, Alex Newman of the New American Magazine. In fact, it was the last book that Sam wrote. Yeah, sure. Excellent. And Alex was the last year with his family. In fact, Sam said it. He said to me, it's my swan song. <laughs> Crimes oh. of the Educators. Yeah. That was amazing. So, uh, in in we, the late uh, 80s, he's still there driving around. I think that his doing my show in uh, Roxbury was one of his last public appearances. That was probably his last. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. And what's interesting is he told me years ago that he said, I'm going to do this till I drop. And, and he, he's on his deathbed, literally. I visit him Thursday, but he died on a Monday. I visit him Thursday, and people, and he's autographing his book, you know, on his deathbed. I mean, I said, this is amazing. Yeah, it was really something to see. And I, that's my, that's what I plan to do. I don't, me too. What am I retire to? I'm, I'm not a big fan of golf. I'm sorry, you know, no. I like to fish a little bit, but I'd rather do this than go fishing, you know, although yeah, I got plenty of lake. I'm right here in the lakes region, so I can do some fishing now. By the way, I should mention that a lot. I, uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi was a regular of mine, um, and he did some great programming with me. And then he suddenly kind of disappeared for a while. He wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And uh, I, I've contacted him, and and he got back to me saying that um, he had promised. To, he's like, I think he's in his probably late eighties. And I met him. I I, I spoke no, to him. Yeah. Not not in the best of health. And he said that he's he promised his wife that he'd retire after the election, and. So he's not doing anything right now, but he might still come back for a little something. We'll see. I mean, he's That's good. working That's good. on some business projects. And I, I, I mean, because people ask me all the time what's happened. So I think he's going to come back. We'll see. Anyway, He actually mentioned Trump uh, and he said that Trump is aware of Gary Allen's writings, none dare call a conspiracy. Oh, yeah, bet. And also uh, Jerry Corsi stood up to uh, Mueller and his brown shirts. I mean, they basically brought him in with a subpoena and they said, we want you to say X, Y, and Z. And, yeah. you know, he said, I, or else, you know, you're going to yeah. go, you're going to do some hard time. And, and he's like, well, look, you know, I, I feel like I'm at peace with my God. I'm at, at this age. I've had a great career. I am not going to buckle under now. If I have to go down, I'm going down because I ain't going in. I'm not going to go with you. Yeah, and do he, your worst. God he bless stood up, yeah. yeah, he stood up to them. And at, it was shortly after that, that their entire rotten Gestapo gang crumbled because they couldn't get him to go on record as saying whatever the hell they wanted him to say. Right, right. And so he's a great man, you know, in my opinion. He's written some amazing books. His book about the Kennedy assassination is one of the best, you know, if you, if you, ever, if you haven't read that. I have not, no. I'll yeah. tell you what I just got in the mail yesterday. I'm almost halfway through it is Andy Noe's book on the TIFA. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm trying to reach him. I mean, he's I'd like to get him on. Well, talk about courage, to too, because, you know, I do a 30 minute show every, yeah. every week. Great, on. great guy. Talk about courage. I mean, he's been 
think that they they beat him to a pulp. I mean, he, was, yeah, he got some brain. He got damaged pretty yeah. badly. So we're talking killed. about a journalist. You know, he wasn't particularly on the conservative. You know, he's Asian. He's gay. You know, he's not. He's liberal. He's not. You know, the kind. You're not not like a conservative guy. And he simply was doing his. He's not job. like Alan Stang, right? There you go. <laughs> doing his job out there as a journalist. He, was, he probably got a degree in journalism. And he goes out there and and talk about, I mean, the threats and the beating and the, I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing story. And, he is and he's Vietnamese, so he's Asian. You're not supposed to hate Asians. It's stop Asian hate. That's what you see well, all that's, over. That's the latest thing. I mean, we could, we could talk. I, I noticed that one of my neighbors, I live in Boston, but I live near Brooklyn. And I, I every day I take long walks. And I noticed that one of these Brooklyn people have replaced their Black Lives Matter sign with Asian Lives Matter. Uh -huh. <laughs> Which tells me that this is the new agenda. Not, not that you know. Look, I mean, we, we could get into that a whole different subject. Um, anyway, Hal. So, um, I want to thank you for joining me. Well, thank you. And uh, our website is campconstitution.net, and then you can access the Blumenfeld archives as well. Excellent. Thanks for having me, Chuck. All right, Hal Shirtlift. Right. Thanks a lot. Bye.